Bill, you can show me how to do stuff. Recording is going. Oh, okay. And this this works. Hey, just a reminder, if, if you have not checked in yet, uh, please check in up by the in the book area, the lobby, uh, off to the, the east side. There's a check-in desk there. You'll get your notes, and also it's important for them keeping track of your attendance if you're working on your certifications. Any other announcements? Okay. We'll go ahead and get started then. I yeah, I think. Yes. Yes. Why didn't you? Yes, you do. <laughs> that way, and it's just if you're working towards certification or if you're in a college class or something where you need to make sure you have your attendance logged. Uh, that's that's how they know. Okay, you you won't miss a whole lot. <laughs> okay. We got a new speaker this month, I see. Yeah. So it doesn't keep turning off. Courtney, can you hear okay back there? I'll try to be better. I'm not good with mics. Not people named Mike, just microphones. I'm okay with people named Mike. Okay, so we're going to start uh, today off with our, our union in Christ. Um I don't know if you've noticed our, our theology board over here in the youth group, but that is actually what we just finished talking about is our union in Christ during our theology moment. Um, I had a, a, one of our students, a couple girls, did the little design for us. You'll notice there's a grapevine and grapes as a picture of our union in Christ, and we'll actually look at that text today as well. But there's a lot of things that the world offers for us uh, in regards to that community. Um, I've probably shared with you before, you know, uh, I do wood carving and, and I used to be part of a wood carving club up in Springfield. Um, I was the youngest one is mostly retired men and women and, and they would just get together, just have, you know, fellowship together, a, a community. I never really quite fit in with them, but I did learn a lot from them and started, you know, carving and started a business and stuff. And, and, um, but it's a community that they formed. Uh, some of you all might be part of a, a gardening community or, um, if you live in Ozark, you might be on Facebook community chit chat that we have there. It's not always the most encouraging in the community chit chat, but sometimes there's some encouraging posts and it's a community. I'm on another Facebook group, Highway W, you know, in Ozark. It's, it's everyone that lives down Highway W, Cap Hill, Red Bridge, all that down south of Ozark. Um, and so they just share little things about what's going on in our area. But uh, the world offers communities. One of the a big one, evidently, is the Kansas City Chiefs. Anyone Chiefs fans? I, okay, maybe you're all like me, like don't really care. <laughs> I don't, I don't watch sports, but uh, we came out here and and uh, there is several from our church that were rooting on the Chiefs, and I was just happy to see them having fun out there playing. Um, but it's it's community. We all have different types of communities, but what the Bible offers us is something more than that. As Christians, uh, the Bible offers offers us unity. It's very similar to community, but it's, it's deeper. It's, it's um, more connected. Uh, and so one of this idea with this union in Christ is, is that we've got this special more than a community. Uh, it's called a union. And one of the passages I like to go to uh, for this, and it's probably not in your notes, but you might write this down as John 17. 
I'll turn there as well. This was just shortly after um, Christ is in the upper room, and he's going off now after that with his disciples, and he goes off to have this uh, this intimate prayer with the Father. You know, an important prayer. Um, it's it's on his mind. The things that are is this the last part of his his life before his his death on the cross, and he's got this intimate prayer. And so in, in chapter seventeen. Going down, really the whole chapter is great with this, but going down to, to verse 20, it says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So like he's talking about, he's praying for all Christians at this point, uh, in the future even, those that will believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And so we've got this picture here, this, this prayer that Christ is praying that they all would be one together horizontally just as much as Christ is with the Father. That's pretty intimate. Like we all understand the Trinity. I mean, we, we under, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we don't really understand the Trinity, but, but we, we can... Uh, we can talk about the Trinity that, that they're one God and three persons, um, but there it's just this closeness, this connectedness that, that that there's one of them, and he's he's praying here that as believers that follow him, not just his disciples, but those that will believe on him according to their word, moving forward throughout all history, including the Christians here in this room, he's praying that we'd have that same oneness that Christ has with the Father. And then he doesn't just end there. He says that they also might be one in us. That's pretty intimate. He's, he's praying to God that we believers at that time present and future us, that we'd have this oneness together, but also a oneness with the Father. That is the same as what Christ has with the Father. That's very intimate. That's very close. That's very beyond our understanding probably in, in, in the earth as we are right now. But there's a day that we'll understand that more. Uh, and if we are doing this, this oneness is happening both horizontally and vertically. Uh, it says that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. It magnifies Christ. It shows the world that Christ is who he says he was. Verse 22, in the glory which thou gave me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Man, what a powerful prayer. And then a good model for our prayers as well, in that not only did he pray this, but then Jesus actually did the work necessary to help answer that prayer. He didn't just pray and ask God to do it, and then he sat back and waited for it to happen. He did the work on that was necessary on his part of going to the cross to make that prayer a reality uh, to be answered. So uh, just a great text. And, and it really happens just a couple chapters after the text that we're going to look at. So if you wouldn't mind turning backwards a couple to John 15, we're going to talk about our union with Christ. And it is... Uh, a relationship between Christ and the believer. The idea here is that um, it is binding. Uh, 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 Pastor Kevin used it in the uh, session one over there 
um, yesterday and talking about their marriage relationship, this bindingness. And he says it's like being welded together. That's similar to what we see with this union that we have in Christ. Christ is a binding union with the sinner saved by grace. Um, I brought with me uh, a, a twig. This is actually uh, uh, part of a grapevine. This is actually the branch. The vine is a little thicker, and then you have this branch that grows out, and then you have this little branch. You have little there's a little bud there that'll grow some something, <laughs> and uh, but they, they grow grapevines on them. Uh, just little clusters of grapes on on this on the this is the branch. It grows clusters and fruit. So I thought you know that'd be great just to bring it. I I don't know if everybody's ever seen a grape. But the idea of the grapevine is very common in Israel. Uh, they saw them everywhere, and, and it is likely that his disciples were probably even near one at the moment when he was kind of talking about this. And, and that happens often. Uh, when uh, Jesus, when he's talking to them, we, we see it often in just the text, but the surrounding around them many times fit along with what he was talking about, um, like when he was talking about how uh, he is the light of the world. Uh, they were overlooking Jerusalem at the time, which at nighttime, the Festival of Lights, they would have these huge lanterns light up, and, and everybody would be like, man, this is really neat. Um, but he often used the stuff around him to talk about and help them understand uh, theology. So let's look at uh, John 15, 1 through 8. The union is like the, the vine in its branches. 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may be able to bear more fruit. You are able, already clean, because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches." He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Similar to this branch over here is going to be cast out and withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. This is really counseling in a nutshell, is helping the individual abide in Christ. We're, it's not our responsibility to produce the fruit in people or even in ourselves. That's something that Christ does. Our responsibility is to abide in Christ. Our responsibility as counselors is to help the other person plug into Christ, to love Christ, to savor Christ. And, and as they're abiding, that fruit will come forth in due season. Uh, one of the texts that I like about this, uh, that, that kind of fits with this, and there's several in the Bible where, where God uses plant analogies. But if you wouldn't mind going back to Psalm 1. Oh, I'm hitting all sorts of buttons here. Uh, in Psalm 1, uh, we had, when I taught the grade school here at the church, we had all of our students memorize this. Such a good chapter. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the godly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And that blessed means happy is, right? Happy is the man. Uh, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. 
His leaf also shall not wither, and whithersoever he does, it will prosper. But the ungodly are not like that. You know, they're like the chaff, which the wind drives away and goes on. But the idea here is that the, the tree, if you're abiding in Christ, if you're delighting in his word, it's, it's saturating your mind, your thoughts, your actions, you're going to be like a tree planted by waters. You know, it's going to get plenty of the water that they need. I've got a fruit tree. We live uh, down on some rocky hills, and I've got some fruit trees. And the ones that are closer to where I can water them easily— would you believe it? They're actually doing better than the ones where I'd have to carry a bucket up the hill and water them. It's because I don't water them. I'm like, I don't want to carry the bucket all the way over there. Even with my four-wheeler, I just don't. I do it occasionally, like if it gets super hot. But the ones that are closer, they get a lot more water. And by golly, they're doing a lot better than the ones that don't get all that water up in that up on that hill. And, uh, and the idea is that as we're in Christ, we're, it's like us next to the water. And then the fruit comes forth in its due season. It doesn't come forth all the time. It's got to be the right conditions that that fruit manifests. And the same with the grapevine here in John 15. Um, the branch I cannot function without the vine. It, it has to be connected to it, right? Uh, a tree that doesn't get water is going to wither up. It's going to die. Uh, a branch that's not connected to the vine is not getting those that sappy water coming into it. It's going to die. It's not going to last. And so as counselors and also just as Christians, our job is to abide, to be connected in Christ. The believer cannot bear fruit without Christ, just as the branch cannot bear fruit without the vine. But how often do we ourselves, uh, and, and really from the world around us teachings and our own depravity, but like where we try to produce the fruit, uh, where we, we, we work and we toil maybe to, to try to do good deeds and do good works, but we get tired and weary. That comes because we're trying to do the work. We're trying to produce the fruit. Uh, instead, if we were to abide in Christ, all this stuff would be a lot easier. It would just come naturally as a fruit of the Spirit as opposed to us trying to do the work. Uh, similar to when you're a, a struggle against any particular sin, an ongoing sin, the, the, the answer isn't just to have disciplines. Disciplines are helpful, but the answer isn't just to have disciplines. That doesn't change the heart. You know, you, uh, and if it could, then we'd do what Christ says, right? We'd pluck out our eye. We'd cut off our hand if it sinned against us because that's better than going to, going to hell. If, if, if actual physical removal of stuff could change us, then let's do it. Uh, but that's not what changes. What changes us is at the heart level. Uh, the, the sin is deep inside of us. And so the, the way that we attack that is we abide in Christ. We draw in towards him. And then suddenly the things that may have been tempting to us before that we had to just resist wholeheartedly, strongly fight against and with our strength— if we're abiding and close in Christ, those things don't even become temptations to us anymore. The fruit of the Spirit manifests in that due season of pressure, and it helps us to resist that uh, temptation. The believer is spiritually bonded to Christ, united to Christ, bound to him, joined to him, welded to him like a branch is to the vine, uh, strongly connected. And it's where it gets all of its life force. 
Another thing is that believers are said to be uh, identified in Christ. There's, so this, I, what we're doing is we're working through several different ways that this union in Christ affects us. So one, the union in Christ binds us like a branch to the vine. The another one is that we're identified in Christ. Uh, Romans 6 is a, a good chapter for this. It touches on several parts. Um, we're going to start with 6, 11 through 13. And it says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Oh, yep. Uh, of instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. The idea is that we're alive in God. We're alive in Christ. This idea of being identified with him, that he's our Lord. Um, the truth that comes with this, oh, there's the next one. The cr- truth that comes with this is that we live out this new identity. And you might have that part two on your notes there. You might put First John chapter 3, 1 through 3 on there. Because as we have this new identity with Christ, it should be a motivating factor uh, in our life that we act differently. Um, I remember as a, a kid, I was probably in first grade or below because we moved when I was in second grade. But so I was in like first grade, maybe that summer, you know, maybe a little bit older. But I remember my Sunday school teacher teaching, maybe it was out of Proverbs or somewhere, was talking about a good name is to be treasured more than, you know, fine gold or whatever it was. Uh, and so the teacher's teaching us. I remember still uh, the, the kind of the sitting of the room, and I remember thinking, um, man, I've got a unique name. My last name's Agastol. You guys have probably never heard someone with that last name before. There's, uh, there's maybe like eight of us in the whole country. My great-grandfather moved here from Norway. It's just a unique name. Um, and so Agastol, I remember thinking as a kid, man, I need to make sure I protect that name. I, I mean, I took that, that lesson seriously. I identified with the Agastol family. And, and then I got to know the Egestal family as I got older. I'm like, ah, <laughs> no. eh, let's work on improving the Egestal name. And, uh, uh, not that they're Vikings or anything, you know, like raiding villages, but maybe, uh, so, but I remember thinking, I, I want to protect that name Egestal. And I have that conversation with our boys today. Well, the idea of being identified with Christ, uh, and even first John is that we, are identified with him. We should want to know him. We should want to uh, be examples to others of him. We should want to show that light to the world around us. So being identified with Christ, another benefit of being in this union. But also um, going back a few verses in Romans 6, 1 through 9, we have that this idea that we have been crucified with him. Now, none of us have been physically crucified but in this union that we have with Christ, being identified with him, united with him, when he died on the cross for our sins, we were united with him when we accept by faith. Later on, again, how time works for us is linear, but it's not that way with God. And, and so we were united with him. Our sins were placed upon him, called imputed uh, our sins on him and his righteousness on us. But we're united in that crucifixion. With him, our sins were taken care of and dealt with. Uh, And so Romans 6, 1 through 9. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? 
God forbid, how shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein? Our, we're dead. That, that part of us died on the cross with Christ. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead in glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we are have been planted together, this union, together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We, we need to reckon, consider it, calculate that we have died on that cross. Our old man is dead. Uh, we are now in this new life. We've been crucified with him. Uh, I think in your notes, you'll see there's Galatians 2.20. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and he gave himself for me. Colossians 1.27, to them... God willed to make known that what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, you, you might have Romans 8 in yours, 8, 9 through 10. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. One of the uh, things, that, just a, a snapshot of like a homework assignment, if you're giving counsel and you're helping someone uh, understand their union in Christ and, and the significance of it, it, it could be as simple as a, a card, a three-by-five card, have them write down, I am dead to sin and alive with Christ. And then practice, have that out, pulled out, read it several times a day, put tally marks on it 10 times a day to go over that, read it out loud. Uh, with their card. It's just a, as another reminder that we all need regularly that, no, I'm dead to sin. I'm alive in Christ. I'm dead in sin. I'm alive in Christ. This identity uh, by by faith, understanding the identity in Christ and, and uh, connected with him, this union Christ is one of the motivating factors or, or uh, elements that helped a friend of mine um, kind of change some things in his life and he told me about it as he was working on uh, raising support to be a missionary and he was telling me about how this this idea of our identity in Christ was a changing point in his life as a believer as he started really embracing that and now he's out on the missions field and it's really this concept of of who we are in Christ we're not of this world uh, we're different and it really impacted him to where he found some victories in sin and he really dedicated his life. And now he's been serving on the missions field for several years. But also, not only do we have this binding that we have as our union in Christ and our identity in Christ and our, our death, identifying this crucified with Christ, but also we have a position with Christ. So this union encompasses a whole bunch of different elements, and part of that is our position in Christ. Uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Um, it'd be fun to quiz some of my teenagers. We had several teenagers memorize this uh, passage, 2, 1 through 10. We did a winter retreat, and they, got, they had to do certain things in order to qualify, and uh, one of them was to memorize these 10 verses. And so several of them did that. They only had to get 6 out of the 10. 
but they got a special treat if they got all 10. All right, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Um, and let's just, let's, let's start with just the first five. And you have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Um, by the way, this is probably the most, most marked up part of my Bible. I, I absolutely love uh, Ephesians, mainly because Pastor Kevin loves it and he preaches from it a lot. Um, but but this chapter in particular, chapter two, great for our uh, salvation stuff, sanctification, um, soteriology. And you at the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power there, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. This is kind of our past position. But then in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even we were when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with, another word that can be put there instead of with, is in Christ. He quickened us together in Christ, for by grace ye are saved. And he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh, the idea here is that uh, God's work in um, birthing us in Christ is done through this Holy Spirit. And in the process of doing that, we're in connected with him. As believers, we have been raised up to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that's what follows in 6 on down. He raised us together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And the actual tense for that is the present tense. It's like, man, I feel like I'm sitting in this room right now. How am I sitting with Christ? It's because of this union we have with him. And so even now as believers, we are sitting with him in heavenly places. How do we understand that? I don't. We accept it by faith. This is what the Bible teaches. That's the present tense that we're with him in these places even now. But then it goes on to the future uh, side of things with verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. Uh, and, and again, that can be on us in Christ Jesus, would maybe be a better translation than toward and through, uh, his kindness on us in Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so what, what this looks like is there's this future day in verse 8 um, or in verse 7, this future day where we're up in heaven and we're all maybe standing around, sitting around, and we look at each other and we're like, wow, look at the work that God's done in you, you know, look what look what he's done we're not gonna we're not gonna look i'm not gonna look at dave perry and be like man dave perry look at all the work you did you know to get you to where you're at uh, it's, it, none of us will be saying that we're all going to be saying oh man look what the artist did look what what look what god did um i thought of an illustration for this uh, i just cut this off i don't want to bring a big walking stick but this is a part of a uh, walking stick that i make um that i use and then I do wood carvings on the top of that. And so you might look at this and just, you know, see a, a stick and not, you may not even know what it could look like potentially. Um, all sorts of carvings could be actually done on that. And so I thought, hey, I'll bring you a couple little carvings to show you. So one is, anyone do mushroom hunting in the spring? Raise your hand. I got to see. Here's someone nodding. Okay. There's, it's very few of us that do mushroom hunting. Um, 
Uh, I actually sell a lot of these mushrooms in the springtime, but usually they're on the top of the stick. It's all connected, you know. Um, morel mushroom walking stick. That looks like a morel mushroom, don't it? For those of you that don't know, it does. Uh, and and so those are the easiest mushrooms to identify really in the woods. Uh, they're safe to eat. Uh, there is some that look somewhat similar, but but you look at a couple pictures, or if you have this on a walking stick, you'll know what's the good mushroom while you're out there hiking. Uh, and so uh, I see this and I think, well, I know what could be on the end of that. Right, this mushroom. I could I could carve that mushroom right on the end of that stick, um, and I, I suddenly elevated the value of the stick. It's got more beauty to it and whatnot. But none of you would would if let's say I was out there at a craft show and I had a bunch of these walking sticks. None of you would be looking at that carving like, whoa, look what you've done for yourself. Good job. You know, you wouldn't be excited about what the stick has done. You'd say, man, there must have been an artist there. There must have been somebody that carved on that. Uh, here's another carving I thought I'd show you. I just grabbed a couple that I had laying around. Little owl. If you don't know what a mushroom is, I know you know what an owl is. So uh, here's a little owl. And so you might look at that and be like, I don't think any of you would do this. You all look like pretty smart folk. But you probably wouldn't look at it and say, man, stick, look what you've done for yourself. You made yourself into an owl. Good job. No, we wouldn't say that. We'd say, Man, somebody did a really good job, and I and I hear regular that craft shows. Oh, you made this? I'm like, yeah, you know. And and, and for me, it's just old hat. I've done thousands of those, uh, but some people look at me and they're like, man, you're really good. And I'm like, I'm not really that good. I just know a few carving, you know, a little few techniques. And um, but when we get to heaven and we see the work that God has done in us, we're gonna be like, man, I never thought you'd get that far along. Christ must have done a lot of work on you. <laughs> That's what you'll say when you see me like, man, God's done a lot of work on you um, to get you there. And and so, but the, the glory is going to be pointing towards God. And so we see it again in verse seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. So much grace he's poured out uh, on us in Christ Jesus and again, it just reminds us, it's not by anything that you've done. It's by grace that you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And this all has to do with this position that we have in Christ. It's God's work in us. Um, and it's his grace that, that changes us. Next one there is, uh, we've got all these different things, again, that the union in Christ means and, and parts of it. Uh, the next one is that it's this idea of this future um, participation and glory oh sorry there's position and then the this is what we just talked about this future position in his glory um the idea is that as we are united in him we can rejoice in the glory that he receives through the grace that he has shown to us um and and he sees the end of it he knows where he's bringing us just like when I see that stick, I know the carving that I can put on that and the value that I can bring to it, uh, even though it just looks like a plain stick right now. Uh, the same is with, with us. We, we're all a work in progress. We're all, you know, right now we see each other, you know, uh, the earthly way. Um, but, but God, when we are united in Christ, he sees the end of it. He knows where he's bringing us. And that's why we got these encouraging texts that he which has begun a good work in us will continue to perform it. Uh, Romans 8, 17, and if, uh, says that if we're children, then we're heirs, we're joint heirs with Christ. His idea of the, the future glory as well. Uh, Philippians 3, 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, 
from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Another text you might uh, just put down the, the reference, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 17. Uh, the idea is this future glory and that it's Christ that helps us to continue on. It's this demonstration of love um, in allowing us to participate in this process. Uh, Colossians 3, 3 through 4, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Uh, so we got this, this future anticipation, but also the believers cannot be separated from Christ nor his love. This union is a binding, permanent union that we have in Christ. We cannot be separated. Um, he reaches by his grace when we are yet afar off. Uh, Romans eight thirty five through 39 reads, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, this this idea, he went like above and beyond as far as describing this. Uh, I think just saying things present or things to come would have been enough, but he just continues just to, to really emphasize the point that there's nothing that can take us out of God's hands. Once we have put our faith and trust, and we'll talk about that either this lesson or next, uh, next lesson. Once we put our trust in Christ, not just knowing about him, but put our true faith and trust in him that he would work on our behalf. Once we've done that, we are held by him. Uh, we will not lose our salvation. Uh, he is holding on to us dearly. Uh, and there's nothing that can take us away from that, not even ourselves. Um, but also, not only as a believer cannot be separated but another benefit, and again, these benefits are our union in Christ. There's so many. It just keeps falling out. Uh, really, this union in Christ helps us think through all layers of soteriology. Uh, but as the believer is complete in Christ, it's while we are in Christ that we are completed, this union that we have with him. Um, sometimes, okay, maybe maybe the ladies do this too, but... I'm pretty sure some of you guys do this. At least I do. Uh, you've got something, it's broken, whatever, or whether you got it at an auction or you just, it broke, and you're like, I could probably fix that. And you set it aside. I don't have time to fix it right now, but you set it aside on the shelf in the garage, and then uh, a year or two goes by, and, and you've got 20 more of those random things that like, oh, I could, I could probably use this someday. This, the, there's, there's some parts on this that are good. Or, oh, I bet that has value, some of that metal or that motor. I bet I can hook. I see Greg over there. I'm thinking, yeah, that's Greg. His, his, his garage is probably full of like motors and random things. But like just the stuff you think you're going to use someday. I saw a funny skit the other day on, on one of those Facebook videos. And uh, the guy, he uh, 
the son was like talking to his dad. They're trying to level out the bed. It was like, you know, short on one leg. And he's like, I need something that's like, like this, maybe an, and the, the dad, anyone else seen this? Oh my goodness. Lacey and I just cracked up laughing. The dad's like, <gasps> he ran out in the garage. He moved stuff and he found this one piece he had been holding on to for so long. And it, he ran back and he put it in there. They're both just rejoicing, high five, and getting all excited. He's uh, like, this thing he's held on to for years, just in case. And then he finally found the perfect use for it just to hold up a bed leg. <laughs> um, well, I've got a lot of projects, and uh, some of them I finally just said, you know, I just need to get rid of this, and I've thrown it away, uh, or gave it to a garage sale, or, you know, I, I finally got rid of it. And, and there's there's things like that that happen where I get started on something, but then I just never finish it. And over time, I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> I don't need to keep this. I'm not going to ever finish that. Well, that's not the same. That's not how it goes with Christ. Uh, once he started this work on us, he does complete it. Um, some of you might sometimes feel like, man, is he giving up on working on me? He hasn't. He's, he's continuing to work on you. Uh, the ups and downs. It's not just all the ups in life that were like, oh, God's working because I can see growth in all these areas in my life. It's those down times as well that God uses uh, to, to conform us to his image, to, to expose to us our hearts. There's, there's little idols and factories in our heart that we may not even be aware of. But once we get in a spot where those, that bad fruit manifests itself, not the good fruit, but the bad fruit, he's put us in a position to expose that. So now that we've sinned or been tempted to sin, it exposes the heart where there was underlying sins that hadn't been dealt with. And so now we can seek forgiveness. We can ask God to help us in those areas to grow and to change. Um, we can root out some of that bad stuff. We can plow up some of those rocks out of the soil. Colossians 2, 9 through 10. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Uh, actually, just a few verses before that is a, another good plant illustration. So in, in chapter 2, verse 6, as you therefore, of Colossians, as you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. This would be the idea of abiding. The walk in him is the same as abide in him. And then it says in verse 7, rooted like a tree, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. This is the fruit that manifests as we're established and rooted in him. Uh, and again, he gives us this warning, you know, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, through vain deceit, traditions of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Uh, this this little warning he throws in there. He says, be rooted in Christ. And um, I've got a couple shelves at our house. I've got several different plants. Aloe vera plants are easy to grow. Uh, i got some pothos and uh, little jade plants and stuff. But uh, imagine if I have all these plants there, I provide the soil. I give it some miracle grow once in a while. We give it water regularly, um, some cactuses and stuff. But imagine if that plant, having all that it needed in that soil, decided to pull its roots up, climb over the, the side of the uh, pot, and then just fall on the ground, right? It, it, imagine a plant leaving everything that it has that's good and then going out and just dying on the floor. It, I've not seen that happen. <laughs> I, I've, seen, I've seen before where I forgot to water a plant, 
or when my wife used some cleaning supplies around the plant and maybe killed the plant, uh, but not where a plant just decided, oh, let's climb out of there because it had everything it needed. And that's the idea here. He says, beware. He's telling us to be rooted in Christ. And then verse 8, beware, lest any man spoil you through the philosophies, vain deceits, the traditions of the world, the building blocks or the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Like this, this warning is to us saying, the world is going to try to convince you that there's not enough for you in Christ. Um, they're going to try to convince you that, that the Bible isn't sufficient. They're going to say, well, you need to get this other counsel for that area of your life. When the Bible tells us that it's sufficient for all these areas of life and godliness. We're complete in him. And that's where verse 9 picks up. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we're complete in him. We're not complete by other things in this world. That's not what completes us. It's in Christ that we're complete in. Uh, who is the head and principality and power. Uh, and then another thing that we have is that not only are we complete in Christ, but... Um, Put plainly, union with Christ is that motor method that all of our Christ's work and reward are inherited by the believer. <coughs> it's how God imputes Christ's righteousness to us. Uh, remember on the cross, uh, our sins were placed on him. His righteousness was placed on us. And that only happens because of this union that we have with him, this connectedness. It's the very thing that Christ prayed for. And, and God is answering that prayer for all those that believe they're united in him, one with him as he is with the Father, and in extension, one with each other as we're one in him. So uh, a few implications. Does the reality of our union with Christ motivate you to continue your growth towards Christ-likeness? The idea of this reality of our union um, as we are connected in Christ, as we're and we do that by prayer, through the studying of His Word, it's His His counsel to us, and then amongst the fellowship of believers, it's the iron sharpening the iron stuff. And so, as we're in the body of Christ, not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves, as we're in the Bible, hearing the God speaking to us through His Word, the Bible, and as we're talking with Christ, with God in prayer, as we're doing these things, we're abiding. He's drawing us. And as we're, another way of abiding is that we're not going after the things of this world, not going after the vain, you know, teachings and philosophies of men, but we're saying, this is my worldview, what scripture teaches. Uh, this is my family, the church. This is my relationship with the Father in prayer. As we're doing those things and putting away the things that are drawing us away from that, that's abiding. This vine branch is not abiding right now. <laughs> it's clear. It's, it's out here. The vine is back at the house. This vine branch is not abiding. It's not doing the, the things it needs to get the nutrients that are going to produce the fruit off this little bud here in the spring. It's not going to produce fruit. This thing's dead at this point. And, and as believers, when we're grafted in with Christ, united with him as a vine, our job is to abide there, to, to just soak in that nutrients that we get from the word and from prayer and from fellowship with believers. Um, we, again, reminding ourselves that we're dead to sin, alive to Christ. Uh, number two, do you take time to reflect regularly on these tremendous truths? 
relating to your union in Christ. Um, in the first Corinthians six, right? That we, our members are not ours. They're his. We've been bought with a price. Uh, these are his body parts that we use. Our self, our full self is his. We're united to him. And the, the idea comes back to you. Do you really believe this? Uh, that's what will drive you away from the wickedness when we, we really believe that our bodies are united with Christ. Uh, are you encouraged to persevere with those rough counseling cases, knowing the importance of our union with Christ, uh, knowing that the person, if they're a believer, that they, they have this commitment, this union with Christ, and also with you, and we, we shoulder each other's burdens alongside each other, helping each other grow. Do you make the gospel message clear? Do you share hope with your struggling counselors concerning their union with Christ? If they are believers, then they have a union, and the hope and the encouragement for all of us who are in Christ is that we will change. We will change. There is going to be growth. There's a future day where we're hitting this, this glorification in heaven. But this whole process of life, though there might be some down times, there's up times. And overall, in the process of life, we're going to be growing more and more into the image of Christ. The more that we abide in Christ, the more that that's going to take place. We're going to see it happening more. Um, but the ups and downs, uh, the, the, up, the downs of struggles and sins exposes things in our hearts that we may not have known was there. We can repent of those, turn from those, and the, the ups, we can just enjoy uh, the up times as well. Such that uh, in James chapter 1, we can give thanks for all those things. Um, have you paused to reflect on the future glory uh, in Christ? Uh, just just considering where he's going to take us someday, um, what it's going to be like in heaven, and, and thinking about where uh, we will be in this glorified state someday, um, should be a, a motivating factor of how we act now. I was I was part of a, a group that was trying to get this company started several years ago, and um, one of the things that they just encouraged us to do is just to to visualize. You might have heard that before. Uh, I, I heard it with bas- my basketball coach when I was in seventh grade. Told me that too. He's like, visualize the shot first. You know, like the ball going into the basket. And I do this because he always told me to do that with my hand. I don't do that regularly around town, but. <laughs> when I was playing basketball, he said, reaching into the cookie jar. And, uh, and he said, just visualize it, taking everything happening before you shoot. And so I would, and I don't know if it helped me or not, but, um, but I visualize it. And, and that's the idea here is knowing where we're going to be going. Let's start practicing that now, uh, living a life that is consistent with what the Bible says we're going to be, uh, for our counselees, very similar implications. Does your counselee first and foremost, know Christ as their savior, Right. Uh, the fruit doesn't grow outside of the vine and the branch is not on the vine if it's not a Christian. The person's not a Christian. So do they know Christ as their Savior? Like the the hope that we can share, every Wednesday night in here, I I share the gospel. We're working through Exodus right now, which is fun. But like every Wednesday night, they hear the gospel. We've got a few kids in our youth group that aren't Christians, but they hear the gospel every single Wednesday because there's no hope outside of Christianity. It, it, they're dead in their trespasses and sins. And so they, they hear the hope. They hear that there's, there's this loving God that has died and paid for their sins. And that's what our counselors need to hear if they, they're not Christians. And even as Christians, we need to be reminded of that. Is there evidence in his or her life of faith in Christ? Um, right. And the Bible tells us that you'll know them by their fruits. We're not judging. 
in the sense of like that type of judging, but we are commanded to, to identify people by their fruits. Uh, if someone has no love in their life, there's a big indicator they're not a Christian. If they're not loving people, they're not loving God. Um, and so those are, those are just like examples of showing like there might be something off here. Let's reevaluate. Do you know Christ is your Savior? It's okay to, to question that. All of us should be evaluating our life regularly. I've actually got in my Bible here, I carry it around. I was showing, uh, uh, I was talking with Grant the other day. And I showed him this. I got a whole paper I keep with my Bible all the time. Talking, It says, examine yourself. And these are just ex- several passages of Scripture that say, do not be deceived. You know, let no man deceive you. Another one. Let no man deceive you. A different one. Be not deceived. Right? These texts, these warnings, a lot of times we like to look at the the promises of the Bible and all the, 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 the good stuff, you know, the, the promise of this future glorification stuff. But there's lots of promises of warning also. Make sure you're not deceiving yourself. Our heart is wicked, uh, desperately evil, and it could be tricking us. So make sure our, our faith is real. It's genuine. Uh, and in other words, also, does your counsel, or counsel you have a union with Christ? Uh, number two, does your counselee understand and grasp the significance of his or her union with Christ? Uh, these different points that we walk through, that helps us think through the significance. Uh, when we just say union, some of us might think, like I was mentioned at the beginning, a community. They might just think, well, I'm a Christian. I'm, and they might stop there and think, I'm part of this church. I'm part of this community. But the union in Christ is much more than that. And so being able to walk through these eight or nine, I don't know what my letters and numbers are, but we're, we're up there somewhere, uh, different topics that fall within our union in Christ, being able to help them understand the significance of what this union is and, and even the hope that this union brings, that there will be growth, there will be change. And our job is, again, not to do the thousands of different scenarios of fruit that manifest in our life. Our job is not to create that. Our job is is to abide in Christ. And when the different pressures come, the different, the heat of the day comes, the stuff that is the right conditions, that the temptations or that would have been temptation, that fruit will manifest itself into a good thing. And we'll, we'll have victory over whatever that was. Uh, but we don't have to think of all those scenarios ahead of time and think, how am I going to respond for this, 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 this? Are those helpful sometimes? You know, if we know a particular area, yes, of course. But we, our job is to abide, let the fruit manifest in its due season. And so that's the hope that we can share with counselees uh, in this union. It really simplifies things. Uh, does your counselee see himself or herself as a new creation in Christ? Uh, that they, they identify that the old man is gone as a Christian. Things are new. I need to put away the old stuff, walk in this newness. And the last one, does your counselee have hope based on the awareness of his or her union in Christ? Again, this, this hope of change, this hope of uh, fruit being manifest. Uh, I got a few more. If you guys wouldn't mind just writing down a few other texts that you guys can look at. I know if, if you're working on the, the theological exams, I think your question, um, I don't remember if I have it wrote here. Nope. Uh, but you have a question related to these. And so here's some other texts that might help you as you uh, uh, put together some answers to those questions. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20. 
Uh, this is another, that's a really good one to, to go to when we're considering our bodies, when we're considering lust of the flesh. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Really all of Romans 6 and 12. And then if we're, we're pulling this into the, the marriage uh, example and our union as Christians, we're united together, but also the marriage is a, a form of union. It's a special union. Uh, Ephesians 5 for that. Um, one more. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 21. This is the idea that uh, we can gird up our, our lungs. We can, we can press on. And it also carries the idea that we can rest um, in, in Christ. So we got both of these as we're united in Christ. We can we can press forward in victory and, and, and battles of this earth, but also we can find rest. Um, there is rest in Christ. Okay, we ended a few minutes early. Um, so you guys, if, if you go out, just be quiet in the hallways, um, look over the books and stuff. I would like to pray for you all, and then I'll be here for the next session as well. And that starts up at... 10, 15. So we got a good 20, 25 minute break. You guys okay with that? Do you guys have questions on Union Christ? We can answer. Court. Okay, back here. Which one? Galatians Yeah, no, that's good. So uh, when we really understand that we have been forgiven by Christ, it takes the burden off of the idea of having to forgive ourselves. That's not our job, right? It's, it's We sinned against God. He forgives us. Yeah, that's great. Courtney, did you have something? Sure. Uh, 12 through 27. Mm-hmm. What's that? Yeah, First Peter 1, 3 through 21. Good. I, you know, I had gone through most of undergrad without hearing about Union of Christ. Dave, would you say the same or not? It's, it's been a long time. <laughs> We're getting old. <laughs> okay, well, let me pray for you all. Uh, Father, we thank you for your goodness. Uh, we do thank you for Christ. We thank you, Father, for this uh, union that we have in Christ. And, and at some level, um, we're just trying to see glimpses of it here in this world. And, and we look forward to the day, Father, in heaven when uh, we'll know this and understand it much better. Um, when we can rejoice around the throne and the goodness and the grace that you've shown in each of our lives in Christ. Uh, and that he'll receive all the glory for it. We ask, Lord, that you would bless the rest of this uh, day as we have several sessions coming out that give us the energy to stay awake and alert uh, in the midst of being tired from a, maybe a late night and uh, driving and stuff. And so just help us all to learn uh, to pull something from this that we can apply immediately in our life. Uh, and maybe areas in our life where we can repent, where we can ask for forgiveness, where we've uh, been missing the mark. Um, we, we do want our relationship with you to be stronger after this weekend. So uh, bless us this, this day, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Yeah. yeah. Give Kevin and Bill a little break from <laughs> speaking all the time. Sammy. Uh, Bradley. Sam Bradley. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's staying in around. Oh, good. So, uh, Man, he's probably uh, college age, isn't he? Yeah, he is college. Instead of driving six hours to Texas, he drives three hours to our house to work. So, so anyway. How long will he be here for? So, just through the weekend. Oh, okay. Then he'll go back to Arkansas for his school. Yeah. Wasn't he helping in a youth group his, at their church? Yeah, like, he was helping. Like as a yeah. counselor, yeah. Yep. Yep. I, think, I thought I remembered that because he it seemed like he jumped right into it. So Grant, Grant is uh, hanging with him. Good, good deal. I might get you to get one of those. I'm gonna have one at the pie auction, silent auction. Are you? Yeah. Like a big one. Yeah. Yep. I get a kick out of owls. Owls are they're amazing. Text me too. Oh. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to forget, and it's tomorrow, so. Man, so I made this walking stick for a guy, a uh, totem pole walking stick, and he paid me 600 but then he just mailed this to me. Uh, I got in the mail yesterday. Those are like actual stone inlays. Every little tiny square. Yeah, isn't that cool? Turquoise and stuff. He just mailed it as a thank you. That's He mailed that as a thank you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because at this point, I'm just risking getting everyone else sick. I understand. We, uh, my whole family, we went through like two or three weeks of just like, we'd get sick, we'd get better for a few days, then sick again, and it's just back and forth. Yeah. It was like yesterday, I woke up school terrible, and then at night, like when the class hit, and I had already sent emails, and everything, I feel fine. All right. So I'm going to. Good job for trying. Um, might mention to the ladies as you're going out. Okay. No, well, well. <laughs> 